What's up, hardcore humans? Welcome to the Hardcore Humanism Podcast. Today we have my man Jake Lures, vocalist of the band August Burns Red. August Burns Red has a new album out called Guardians, and they just dropped a brand new song called Standing in the Storm, which includes an animated video. In addition to the music, Jake has also launched Your Life Gym. It's the first I've ever heard of this concept. It's a gym that focuses on both physical and mental health. So in addition to the equipment, classes, and trainers found in traditional gyms that focus on physical fitness, there are classes and trainers that focus on mental health, including mindfulness classes and personal mental health coaching sessions. Now, this is a really exciting innovation that offers even more ways to improve one's well-being by giving people the opportunity to work out their mind as well as their body. During our conversation, one of the things that Jake talks about that's important for his well-being is his spirituality. Now, at Hardcore Humanism, we seek to apply the principles of humanistic psychology to allow people to break conventional norms, find their purpose, and work hard to achieve it. And for many people, their spirituality is a big part of how they understand their purpose in life. Now, one note on spirituality. We at Hardcore Humanism embrace the humanistic notion of the inherent goodness in people and in human beings' potential to find their purpose and achieve great things both for themselves and the world. But in contrast to some approaches to humanism that are expressly secular, we feel that for some people, their spirituality and concept of a higher power may be an important part of their purpose. And if a true expression of your most authentic self involves religion and spirituality, then we want to support that pursuit as you work towards achieving your best self. And Jake has an interesting journey to how he understands and practices his faith. So let's hear what Jake has to say. All right, so let's just get right to it. Jake, you have led uh, a spiritual life, and one that it permeates, from what I understand, almost everything that you do. And I want to hear about it right from the beginning, like right from the part where you first recognized, like, hey, I have some kind of connection with my own spirituality or something greater than myself, and then let's just build from there. I feel like I connected in had a relationship with God when I was 20 years old, but I would say um, just to kind of give you a little background, my parents weren't religious or, um, you know, they weren't, they didn't raise me any particular way. And they ended up getting a divorce when I was, I think six, but it was one of those really nasty divorces that like lasted forever. So I, I kind of have a lot of a lot of things in my life at that point that were really kind of like stirring me up. I kind of lost out on my childhood. My parents were really verbally aggressive and just kind of, you know, stirred a lot of stuff up. And then I, I ended up getting uh, sexually assaulted in elementary school by another student. And there tended to be some other things like that along the, along the way. And um, when my parents divorced, my dad was, pretty successful. He was a, uh, he was an actor. Um, he had his own like stand-up comedy stuff. He, he was in the NFL for the Houston uh, Oilers as a kicker for a short bit. So like, I guess I was in one of those situations when I was really young where like we had some money, you know, like we had a nice house, we had all the things, all the toys, you know, but the, um, I think my dad like worked so hard and thought that that was, you know, loving his family. Right. Cause he was like, I'm supporting and stuff, but he wasn't really there 
mentally, emotionally, and a lot of times physically. And I think that's what kind of like just started to divide my parents. So then when they got a divorce, it got real nasty. And my mom and my sister and I, we ended up in lower income housing. And it wasn't for very long. It was, I don't know, maybe like two years or something. But like that was a pretty big wake up call for me as a young kid that didn't really have his dad around and was kind of like, you know, hey, you've got to be the man of the house type of thing, living on food stamps and pretty rough, rough area. So then after that happened, my mom, uh, you know, met my stepdad and we ended up going to moving to um, Columbia, South Carolina. And I wasn't very well educated. I never really did very well in school. Actually, I think my mom, it's kind of funny. I think in fifth grade, my my teacher sent my mom a letter basically saying that I was mentally challenged and like that I need to be put in all these classes. And so they put me in these special classes and it's like, what am I doing? Like, I don't know what I'm doing here. You know, it's just like, so at this point, I'm kind of like feeling pretty alone in my life as a, as a young guy, you know, going through middle school was pretty tough because when I lived in the government housing, you know, I was surrounded by um, a lot of different ethnicities and the culture there was pretty aggressive in the sense of, you know, a lot of people around me were dealing drugs and were, you know, involved in, in gang activity. So obviously I clung on to them and, you know, was trying to find myself as a, a man and, you know, a young man in that, in that scene. And then I got thrown into this five-star um, schooling where like, you know, the preps would look at me and I, I'm a, I'm a white kid with baggy pants and I'm, I'm talking different, you know? So then there's this whole dynamic. So my life felt pretty much like a whole struggle up until <laughs> really up until I, I felt like, um, like I had a, a friend that was going to be with me for the rest of my life, which was, which was God, you know? And so I'm trying to find myself. And then my sister kind of gets me into music and I would listen through the walls from, from her room and she had a CD player and she listened to like Nirvana and Soundgarden and um, Beastie Boys, Tupac, Wu-Tang. And my mom, we didn't have a lot of money, but she ended up getting me a CD player. And my first record was Green Day, uh, Dookie. And that album, I mean, man, I was ripping that in my room nonstop. And I was just so blown away by music and the feelings that music could bring, you know, because I felt I was feeling all these feelings inside and I felt very alone. And then music was kind of like something that I could gravitate to that I could sit with. And this is like my therapy, you know? Um, so funny, funny side story. Like my sister and I, we would sit in her room and we would gamble our CDs. And I walked in with Green Day Dookie, the only CD I had. <laughs> and I walked out an hour later with like seven of her albums, man. And then I would go to my room and I would rip them, you know, and she would just hear me listening to her music. You know, it was, it was pretty funny. But um, I think that's the first door that opened me up to music. And I kind of saw music as my like my savior, you know, like this was going to save me. And I was really excited about it. Um, and I met some guys, you know, locally, some friends that listened to punk rock music, the queers, rancid, dead Kennedys, you know, um, old school punk rock. And they were like, yo, let's go to a show. And at this time I was about 17 years old. 
as I was going to my first rock show on it. My first rock show was a band called Strike Anywhere and super hardcore, like political band. And the singer had like these long dreads and he was, he, he had so much energy on stage, man. He was whipping around, he's screaming, he's, he's preaching his gospel, you know? And, and, and I was like, um, and when I mean gospel, like just like his truth, you know? And I was just so amazed by the energy that he was, he was portraying and, and giving to the crowd. And I was just like, holy fuck. Like I've never seen anything like this in my life, you know? And, and so I went up to him and I was like, cause the venue he played, it was new Brooklyn Tavern in Columbia. And it's this small beat up little hole in the wall, but um, precious place in my heart. But anyways, he gets off this tiny stage and, and I was like, dude, like, I don't even know, man. Like that was so cool. Um, so I pull my, my sleeve up on my, my shirt and I gave him a Sharpie and I was like, do you mind signing my arm? You know? And he's like, yeah, man. So he signs my arm and then he gives me the Sharpie back and I look down to pick up, you know, to grab the Sharpie from him, from him. And I look back up and, and he's got his arm out and he's like, now you sign my arm. And I was like, whoa, like the, the exchange of, of authority, the exchange of like respect and honor, like he, he made me an equal to him and no one had ever done that to me. Like no one had ever been like, Hey man, you're, you're just as important. You're just as strong. You're just as powerful. You're just as equal. And so I think that's when I realized like, I have to do this. I have to, I have to be this. I, I have to pursue this because if this is what this guy's doing i want to do that for other people and so i went on this uh, journey with i started like five bands and um, we would open up for for bands kind of you know hardcore bands that were coming in like norma jean um under oath and like um all these bands and because that was that was what was what was cool you know in 2000 when i was kind of gearing up into music and um i know you're asking about my faith and like i I'm just expressing all of this because it all has to do with where I am now and how God used that in order for me to be in the position that I'm in. I will tell you that, um, you know, because I wasn't born or raised Christian, I would, you know, but I, for some reason I had this sense of understanding, like, man, I feel like there's something there. I would try to go to church on my own. And, and I, I never just, I just never felt comfortable. I never felt like I was, I always felt like I was being judged or like no one really talked to me. And I was like, I don't understand like why people even do this. If this is the feeling that you have when you're in here, you know? Um, and, and I remember we opened up for one of those like Christian hardcore bands in like 2001, my, my band called she walks in beauty. And the dude said, he said, um, Hey man, if you don't know Jesus, you need to know Jesus cause he loves you. And and you need to love him or something like that. It was like some sort of like basic message that I'm sure he just puts on repeat every single night of the tour, you know? And, and I, I was thinking to myself like, Hey man, like I've been sexually assaulted. My parents went through a nasty divorce. One of my closest family members was dealing with, you know, struggling with heroin as uh, being a, a heroin addict. I've been bullied and beaten up, you know, multiple times. Like, you're telling me to love Jesus, but like, if he loves me, where the fuck is he then? Where is this love that you're talking about? And, and even if I did see that love, would I know it? 
because that's something that I have had to learn in my life is like, sometimes it's hard to be loved if you don't understand how love works, you know, or what it looks like or what it's supposed to be, you know? So, so that actually kind of pushed me further away from that as far as a church or religion, but it drew me closer to like me wanting my own spiritual connection with God. And I remember sitting with my sister and her boyfriend, like at their house and like we were partying drinking or something. And and I was just like, man, like God, like you gotta be here. Like there's gotta be something more to this life because you know, you look at everything that's around us and it's all moving. It's all created. It's all here, but, but no one knows why, you know, no one really knows why. You know, and I want to know why I want to know why I'm here. I want to know what, what the purpose of my life is. And if, you know, if I can have a a friend, a connection with the creator of me, I, I want that, but I want it to be real. I don't want it to be fake. So I, I actually named God John because I wanted it to be personal. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, just trying to like figure this out myself. And of course, in the hardcore scene, like <laughs> there's a lot of, a lot of staunch atheists out there, you know? And I was just this little guy, like I was just a little guy, you know, trying to, trying to figure it out, trying to, you know, understand, trying to find my way and survive through the thick of it. So then, you know, my band and my band, She Walks in Beauty ends up breaking up and I was devastated, man. I was going to music business, and I remember my professor said, you know, you got, he said, everybody raise your hand if you want to be a touring musician and make money. And I said, me, you know, he goes, you have a 0.0001% chance of making it. I just want you to know that. And then, you know, maybe like two months later, my band breaks up, you know? So I'm going, dude, <laughs> I'm like, when can I catch a break? Like, I'm just, I'm literally sitting in my desk. I'm crying. I'm crying and I'm going, you know, music was my savior, you know, like this, this whole, this was going to be it. This was supposed to be it for me. And now it's gone. And, uh, I just remember being really depressed and, you know, um, drinking a lot and, uh, and, you know, having like just suicidal thoughts, like, you know, let's just like, this is just pointless. You know, this is just really fucking pointless. So I'm painting apartments and, um, as my job. And I just went outside and I said, I'm smoking a cigarette. And I was just like, Hey God, like, you know, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm really gonna just give you my life if you want it. Cause if you don't want it, then like, what's the point of this whole thing? And, um, <clears throat> and then right when I did that, man, and, and you know, and I know it sounds really cheesy, but I just got this overwhelming sense of relief and peace and like a voice in my head, you know, saying like, Hey, you're never going to be alone for the rest of your life. You have this connection if you want it and it'll be here for the rest of your life. And that really meant a lot to me to know that there was a commitment here that was lifelong because I had seen no commitment really from anyone else in my life. You know, everybody was leaving. My, my dad left, you know, my life at home was a wreck. My sister left, my, my uh, band broke up, you know, everybody's just, you know, no one can commit. And so I, I walked in that and I, 
And I was like, this is great, you know? And I was like, oh, maybe I should read the Bible, you know? And like, I'm trying to read the fucking Bible and it's like, you know, like King James version. And I don't know if you've ever looked into that, but there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense to me and I couldn't read it, you know? And so I'm just praying and I'm just, I end up just journaling my thoughts and like kind of taking God as like a, a friend in the sense of like asking questions and then looking for answers. Maybe God is going to talk to me through a situation or an experience or or maybe a sound or a smell or something that I see, you know, and and that's how I ended up starting my relationship with God. And then I started to uh, I started to realize that the way that I was conditioned in life, the things, the experiences that I had, the situations that repeated that I needed to break the cycle for that because God was saying like, hey, like, I'm going to accept you no matter the color of your skin, you know, what you've done, what's been done to you, uh, what you believe or who you're in love with. Like, I'm just going to, I'm going to take you, but let me show you what a man looks like, you know, cause that's, that's where I, that was my journey. I wanted to know what a man was. And I seen a lot of men um, trying to be men and God was like, I'll, I'll father you and I'll show you what a man looks like. So I had to do a lot of cleaning up. I had to do a lot of healing. I had to do a lot of forgiving. I had to do a lot of, that's the journey that God was taking me on was like, I was facing the understanding that my condition, me being conditioned and the things that I experienced, I had to let go of those things and cut the ties to those things in order to be with God and, and live in the way that I was being encouraged by him to do so. So I was kind of on that journey and then like, man, I want to say like six months later, my buddy tells me about a band called August Burns Red. He's like, dude, you got to listen to this record, Thrill Seeker, man. It is the best. It's so good. And I was like, okay, dude. So I, you know, I go to like manifest the CD shop and I pick it up and I'm listening to this record, man. And it's brutal. It's, it's, there's off time signatures. It's aggressive. It's you know, got some melodic parts in it and, and it just, it sounded so heavy and so aggressive and so angry. And I was like, dude, I connect with this on like the 10th level. So we'd go to parties and we'd listen to it, you know, and, and then like a month after we got the record, my buddy John texted me and said, Hey, they're looking for a front man. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, man, they're looking for a front man. You should go try out for them. I said, they live in Pennsylvania, bro. I live in Columbia, South Carolina. And he's like, yeah, like just hit him up on MySpace. So I was like, all right. So I, I sent him a message on MySpace with a link to my music from She Walks in Beauty. And then like two days, three days later, they called me and they said, hey, man, this is Jake. I said, yeah. He said, this is Brent, the guitarist. He's like, we want you to come try out. And I said, okay. I think it was like Friday. And I was like, so do you want me to like come up Monday? or something, you know, or next Friday. And they're like, no, we want you like, we want you to come up Sunday. And I was like, okay. So I hung up the phone. I walked in the, in the house I was painting. And I told uh, my, I told my boss, I said, um, I got to go. Uh, I got to go try out for this band. So he let me go. And he said, if you know, if you don't make it, you can come back and you can still have your job. So I got my 1989 Honda Civic hatchback and I drove up to the band in Pennsylvania. And I was like, Hey, can we, can we break the ice here? You know? And like, 
go get some food. And they're like, no, no, like you're just going to come in here and practice. And if we don't like you, we're just going to tell you to go home. <laughs> I said, do you know where home is? It's about 12 hour drive, but okay, whatever. So we try out and, and then they say, okay, tomorrow you're going to record the vocals over one of these tracks on thrill seeker. And I was, I was so scared. And I ended up going on tour with them for six months. And then finally, you know, um, the singer from Tommy Rogers, the singer from between the bear to me, he, had, he, had, he had known me from she walks in beauty. Cause I had opened up for BTBM and he goes, Hey man, he, he says to the band, Hey, after our tour with him, if you don't take this guy, you're an idiot. Like he's, he's a top notch front man. And, um, and he's a good guy. And so I think I have to, you know, say thanks to Tommy. Cause I think that's what closed the door for, for me, you know, <laughs> kept me in the room. <laughs> um, but then, so then the tour life happens, right? And it's five years of being in a van and trailer with guys that I'm not, I'm not connecting with because my Lidditz or Mannheim, Pennsylvania is very religious, blue collar, like tough, hardworking. And I came from a place where I, I didn't have a support system for the, you know, like a family support system. I mean, my mom did the best she could and she did a great job, but, and so we're clashing a lot and and then the drummer and I connect and I said, look, I, I really want to know more about, you know, Jesus, you know, God and, and love, you know? And so we would drive the, the van and trailer at nights and talk about, talk about God. Like I, you know, I'd ask questions and he would, he would kind of be like my pastor, you know? And then I got into a place where I was talking to kids after the shows and and please feel free to interrupt me if you got questions, you know, or thoughts. Are you kidding me? I'm riveted. Keep going. Okay. So, <laughs> so then I make this commitment, like kind of in like the first couple tours of me touring with the band, I'm like, man, I, I'm going to, I'm going to make a promise that I'm going to talk to kids at the merch table after every show, after every show, I'm going to be at the merch table. I'm going to talk to kids. And at first it was like 10 kids, maybe five kids. Cause August Prince Red was nobody like, you know, I mean, we just put out thrill. They had just put out Thrill Seeker, but then after time, obviously, you know, the the kids at the merch table would start. The line started to get longer, and it started to be from like maybe ten minutes. I was there, twenty minutes. I was there. Then it was an hour. Then it was like almost two hours. You know, and I'm hearing time and time again how these lyrics and the music is connecting to these people about really personal stuff. Like I would hear stuff like, yeah, my dad, you know, um, raped me when I was a kid, but the song redemption has really helped me pursue the healing of that. And the forgiveness of that, I would hear, yo, I'm a heroin addict, but I'm six months sober. Uh, me and my buddies in the halfway house, we listen to, we wake up every morning, we listen to composure and that helps us stay sober. I'm hearing a lot of, like a lot of just really, really hard, stories you know and i'm taking this all in and i'm like man there's got to be more here you know so we were on tour with a band called a day to remember and and this is the only tour i've ever been on that sold out 100 percent every single night we we were main support for them and that tour was like six weeks long five weeks long and we just killed it it was amazing and i was feeling so good and then i'm still talking to these kids and we had a back-to-back -back show in, in Chicago. And this, this is one of those moments where I felt God really moved in my life and was telling me what to do. And I thought I, I was hearing clearly. And like, we're in Chicago the first night. 
after the show, I, I'm sitting outside the hotel room, smoking a cigarette, and I'm like, God, I, I'm so thankful for this, man. You're doing, like, look at where you've taken me. Look at where, where you're bringing me, how far we've come together. But I'm talking to these kids, man, and I really feel like there's something else here that I'm supposed to do. Can you please, like, tell me, how do I give back to these people, right? I'm not, I am not okay with just playing a show and then hearing these stories and then getting on in my van and trailer or my bus and leaving, you know? So that night in Chicago, I get this vision of heart support, which is my nonprofit now. And, and it just like flowed in my head, like a list of all the things that were supposed to be a part of this community. It was like, Hey, you're supposed to build this community where these people can connect with one another because they're all over the United States and the world and they need each other. They need a place like this to talk. So it was actually originally called Your Life. I was going to call it Your Life Ministries, right? And so I wrote down this list of all the stuff that I needed for this website. And then my buddy ends up the next day, we have a show. My buddy calls me and goes, hey, man, um, I'm going to come to your show tonight. Is my buddy Brandon from from South Carolina? Actually, he moved up there, and he was a web designer. And I was like, "Yo, let's grab lunch before the show." So he meets me like I don't remember where we went, and I had the paper, and I I was like, "Look, man, I need you to build this for me. I need this website built, and it's going to be a community for people who are going through a lot of hard times." And he said, "Yeah, man, I'll do it. I'll do it for you." So I gave him fifteen hundred bucks. And then he built the, he built this website for me and then I made business cards. And so now I had something to give to these people when they were hurting. Right. I was like, I would talk to them at, on, you know, at the merch table. And, and then when they would share with me and say, Hey, go here, go to this place and like talk more, let's talk more, you know? And I kind of built a team around it. And I really, you know, I really felt like this was what I needed to do. I was supposed to do. And then it that ends up evolving into heart support, which is now it's been around for 10 years and we have thousands of people that go there and they just talk and share about their mental health issues and what they're dealing with. And we have books that we've written. I've written a devotional. We have um, two uh, professionals on our, one's on our board and one's a staff member. And it's really grown to be something really, really pretty beautiful in this community. And so- Um, but then I get into a place where I really want to know more about Jesus and and God. And I'm starting to wake up every day and I'm starting to just read, um, systematic theology and all these books and listen to all these endless podcasts by all these pastors. Right. And it starts to breathe division. Um, at that point I was, I was married. It starts to breathe some division in me where I was becoming really legalistic, really judgmental. I like, I was being hurtful to the people around me and all this stuff because I was, I was extremely religious, you know? And, um, and it ended up kind of ruining, I think a lot of relationships in my life, but it was straining my, my relationship with my, my wife at the time. And we, we, we had a very abusive relationship and I think we were attracted to each other because of our pain. You know, we found 
found some sort of connection that way. But we end up getting a really nasty divorce and, um, and I'm still, you know, I'm still in the band. I'm still doing hard support, you know, at this time, but we went through a really, really, really nasty divorce in 2015. And this is kind of where another pinnacle moment for me and, and God. So 2015, I'm, I, I have to sell my house in South Carolina. Um, you know, I'm pretty much broke. I don't have any money because of lawyer fees and all the money that was, you know, divided and everything. And so I'm kind of just, I'm really just broken because, and kind of angry with God, like through this process, I like, she had done something pretty catastrophic to me. And I was so angry with God because I was like, man, I'm doing everything you, you want me to do, you know? And I remember this one night coming home, fucking hammered, man. I was so hammered. And I'm outside and I'm screaming at God. And I said, you know, come down here, you fucking cunt. Like, fight me, you know? Because, like, what are you doing, you know? And I'm crying. And then and then it starts to rain. And, and I just felt like this voice was like, hey, man, like, I'm weeping with you. Like, this isn't, I'm not, I'm not here to fight you, you know? Like, like let's just sit here and weep. And I, I just sat on my knees and hands crying in the rain. And then I, I end up, you know, telling heart support, like, Hey, I got to take a hiatus, man. Like, I don't even know. I don't even know how to love myself right now in this moment. Thankfully the band wasn't on tour. And like, I felt like God was saying, Hey, look, you're not the president and founder of heart support right now. You're not the lead singer of August Burns Red right now. You're not a husband. So, so who are you? Let's just start there. And I think that that was the moment where I really like started to dig deep into my life, my past, the things that got me here, the things that I was holding on to, my habits, the way that I viewed life. And, um, and I ended up going, um, instead of drinking, cause I was, I mean, I was, man, there was times where I was like, I don't know, drinking like 18 Jack and Cokes, you know, at the bars, you know, and then just somehow making it home. I have no idea. And then I would wake up at like 3 PM and I'd be like, great. Like, what am I supposed to do now? And I, I picked up exercise. I ended up going to a gym and walking distance from my house. And that was a really great place for me because I got to push all my anger out on the weights and I started to sweat. I would sweat out the alcohol and I'd sweat my endorphins would open up and I, you know, I'd start to feel again, you know, and I started doing that a a lot. And my friend Isaac, when I was on tour had said to me, Hey man, do you know who Giles Corey is? And I said, no, he said, you you remind me a lot of him. And I said, well, who was he? You know, tell me a story. He says, Giles Corey was, from the Salem witch trials, like back in the day of the Salem witch trials and he was in Salem. And, and he said, you know, they, the village in Salem, they hung his wife. I think they burned her and because she was a witch. And they said to him, Hey, like, you know, we believe that you, you dabble in witchcraft. And so you can either admit to witchcraft and deny your faith in God and we'll excommunicate you from the village or we'll just torture you. And he said, I'm not going to deny my faith in God. So they strip him down naked. They lay him on the ground. They put a big, big board on his chest and they grab these big boulders and they say, 
um, every three hours or so, they come up to to Giles Corey and they say, hey, you know, do you deny your faith in God and admit to witchcraft? And um, and he said, more weight. So they would put more stones on him. He lasted for two days. And the last thing he said with his tongue out was more weight. And he died, you know, with all this weight on his chest. And my buddy said, you know, he said, with all the stuff that you've gone through and everything that you've experienced, he said, you, you still, for some reason, like you won't completely walk away from God. You know, you get angry with God, you question God, but you don't walk away from God. And you're, you know, he's like, I admire it, you know, um, and I want you to know that, you know, you're, you're really, you're really, really strong. And I, I was thankful for, for the way, I mean, obviously our conversation was like two hours. It wasn't, you know, five minutes of this, but, um, I was really encouraged by it. So I made pick, I made shirts that had a big 45 pound plate on it that said more weight. And I gave him, I gave him one, I wore one and, uh, and, you know, I wore, I, we were on August Burns Red this time was on, was on Warp Tour. And I wore one on stage and everybody was like, dude, that shirt is sick. Like, Giles Corey, like, I get it, more weight. And then, like, you're talking about lifting. Wow, you know, like, <laughs> so cool, right? I remember, like, being on a plane where I think we we're flying to, like, Japan or something. And I wore it and the lady was like, is that, is that Giles Corey? And I was like, yeah. She's like, that's so cool. So then I'm like, man, let's make, like, let's spread this message. You know, it's a cool message. And let's talk about fitness and men and your mental strength. So I do him and I start this little t-shirt company called more weight. And we were selling shirts, you know, just as friends and promoting this message that like, you know, you can bear the weight of whatever you're facing in your life and you're strong enough to take it, you know, but also, exercise is healthy for you. <laughs> you know, like that's a good idea too as well. So, so we start doing this thing and I start becoming this avid gym goer, you know, and, and I'm seeing, and it's changing my life, man. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not boozing it up. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling better. I'm, you know, I'm excited about life and, and that's just been great. And then I, and then I think to myself, man, I'm, I'm loving these people at heart support. I'm loving my, my fans, but they come with such you know, their stories, their, their lives, they're so difficult. They're, they're like, things are not ever black and white, in my opinion. Right. And, and it's like, man, if you, if you want to help somebody, you have to understand that like there are multiple facets or tons of different variables within the equation. Right. And I wanted to love them unconditionally in that moment. That's my, that was my goal because I wanted to love them. Like God was loving me unconditional. God doesn't whip me. God doesn't shame me. God, you know, he's just going to love me. He's going to encourage me. He's going to, and God's not a guy or a girl, by the way, but he doesn't have a penis or vagina, but God was going to continue to walk beside me. And I wanted, I wanted my, my people to know the same thing, to, to have the same feeling and relationship. And I was never one to you know, um, shove the, shove my faith down anyone's throat. I, I think that's really just disrespectful. And, um, and I don't think that for, for maybe Christians listening, like when we do something that doesn't have any, um, repercussions or 
feel like it doesn't have any repercussions. Or when we do things where we're quote unquote giving, because you're preaching the gospel, but it's not really genuine. It's just trash. It's, it's literally just nothing. And, and I, and I hated, you know, the fact that, you know, Hey, you know, that band that was like, you need to preach the gospel or you need to love Jesus because Jesus loves you. Like what broad surface level thing to say, <laughs> you know, like, and, um, and I think a relationship with anyone is very important and personal and has a lot of things in it that are intertwined. And so it's precious for me to talk about God in my life. And, but I wanted to at least show people the love that I had and that I was taught by from uh, God. So then I was like, well, I need to gain wisdom, right? I need to know, I need to have godly wisdom so that I can love these people as best as I can with biblical knowledge and understanding um, so that when I have my, 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 my thoughts, my personal experience matching with biblical wisdom, I can actually give them something of great truth and worth. So I started going to Theo. I went to um, a Christian college. I was doing online courses, uh, seminary school, right, to get my master's in uh, Christian ministries. And I'm reading this one book. I don't even know if the book was, I don't think it was even part of my class, but I was reading this one book called Debating Calvinism. And so there's Calvinism, there's Arminianism, and there's these two guys, obviously one's Calvinist, one's Arminianist, and they're just going at each other, you know, in this book. And they're like calling each other dogs and shit. And I'm reading this book and I get this vision uh, from God and it's of these two little boys, little children in a sandbox and they're building sandcastles and then they're, they're showing each other uh, which sandcastle that their sandcastle is better than, than the other, other one. And God's saying, do you see, do you see this? They're in a box. That's the first thing that I want you to understand. They're in a box because the other thing is that, the sand that they're making their castles out of, it's the same sand, right? Um, the other thing I want you to notice is that their children, they, they're not, they don't have a lot of wisdom. They're children. And then, and then God's like, pull, pull this vision further away from you. And it was like space, right? Where you, there's no end in sight, you know? And God says, that's what they're missing out on because they're putting themselves in a box. And I, and, and I stopped going to seminary right then and there because I, what I realized was that for me personally, um, I do believe in Jesus. I do believe in God and I have a authentic relationship with God. And I believe that if I put myself in a box and I don't understand unconditional love, grace, and mercy, that what I'm going to end up doing is I'm going to close up myself for God to be able to work through me into other people's lives and love them the way that he wants them to be loved because the religion and 
I'm not saying that the religion is bad. I'm saying that when we put ourselves in a religious place, we then think we have the answers to the questions and it limits God to breathe in the world. God said, look, I want you to remember that I love you no matter the color of your skin, who you're in love with, what you believe in, what you've done or what's been done to you. You need to follow that. And then let me show you how to love people where they are, just like I loved you where you were. And that's kind of where I was like, okay, man, we're not going to be, we're not going to go this route. We're not going to go the religious route. We're, we can still go the, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man of God, and, but with a unconditional understanding. So, so I start to just move in that in my own personal life and with my with my friends and family. And it's, it's like, I want to show people the love that I've gotten from God. I don't want to show them a religion because that's not, that's not what I have here. I don't have a religion. I have a relationship and it's clear to me. So then fast forward here, it's right before COVID August Burns Red has a brand new record coming out. I, I'm going to fast forward through some stuff because I, it's, it would take me forever to really tell you the whole story of my life, but all right. So, sorry, I have to honor some people, uh, you know what I mean? And I don't have time to come up with some bullshit lie story for you guys, for me to protect the person I want to protect. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to skip it. Sorry for all the cursing too. This is just me being me. So I'm sitting here and we're about to go on like the biggest tour, one of the biggest tours with this band called Kill Switch Engage. I've been a fan of that band since like 2003. Okay. Like, I was like, we were all like, man, this is going to be great because not only is this going to be a heavy hitter for our fans, right? But it's also going to be an experience for us as, as guys, right? We spent thousands upon thousands of dollars in production. We've got our bus, we've got our six crew. We got, you know, we got everything lined up for this thing. We're going to drop our record on this, uh, on this uh, tour. Three days later, COVID hits. Boom. Nope. Sorry. Shut down. Everybody goes home. So I'm at home and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And I spend probably, you know, at that, at this point, our record, we put our record out. I do a ton of, you know, um, PR for it and it's a hit and it's great. And I'm so thankful. My, my fan base has been amazing, but I'm trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do with myself. And I'm three months at home since I joined the band 15 years ago. I had never been home for more than three months at, at any one time in my life. So my whole life is changing. I'm like, what? And so I'm just, you know, just trying to figure stuff out. And then things start to close, meaning close down. And my gym down the street closed down. And I promise you guys I'm getting somewhere. So the gym down the street from my house, the one that's, that helped me, that was saving my tail when I went through my divorce, Iron Fit Gym closed. And I was like, oh, dude, no, that's horrible. Now I had a vision when I was 24 from God to start like a community center type of thing, a mental health gym. And I was 24. So I was like, you know what? I know that this is not the time for this, but one day I'm going to do that. Then I'm 32. And uh, the vision came back to me and I talked to my executive director at Heart Support, Dave King. And I said, hey man, I want to do a heart support gym. 
And he said, that sounds awesome. So how are you going to do it? And I said, I have no idea. I'm touring six months out of the year, you know? So then Iron Fit Gym closes and I go, oh man, you know, I might do this vision and it comes back to me and it's like, dude, this is, you do this, you need to do this. And there's times where like these visions, like the heart support vision, you know, it was like that. It was like one of those moments. And again, like where my relationship with God, it's like, I'm looking for a sign. I'm looking for, I'm like intently looking and feeling I'm, you know, spiking my senses here, right? My radar and stuff. So I go, well, I'm a guy in a band. I have no idea how to open a gym. So I call my buddy, Rob Bailey, his wife, Dana Bailey was Miss Olympia in 2013. So like, you know how Arnold Schwarzenegger was Mr. Olympia. She was Miss Olympia in 2013. She's one of the sweetest girls I've ever met in my life. However, I'm pretty sure she could beat up anybody. I've like, she's, man, she's awesome, dude. And she's, she's such a hard worker. Anyways, they had a gym down the road and I called them and I said, Hey, like, what do I do? You know, how do I start a gym? He goes, well, first off, you're going to need a building. You're going to need equipment. And then you're going to need your overhead for your staff. Those are the three biggest things that you're going to have to knock out. And I said, okay. So I call my realtor that, that sold me my house like two years ago. And I said, look, I, I'm, I think I'm going to open a, a gym, but it's not a normal gym. It's a mental health gym. It's going to be like mental health and fitness together. He goes, I love that idea. So, so he goes, all right, I'll help you. Give me two days and I'll look around for some spots. So I said, all right, good. So the next day I get a mail, uh, a gift in the mail from my friend, Brett Cole. Brett Cole was the captain of my hockey team. And I hadn't talked to him for like six months. Remind you, this is COVID. He just sent me, you know, crackers, cheese. And it said a little message like, Hey man, hope you're doing well. You're healthy. God bless you, brother. I was like, that's really sweet, you know? So then I'm walking Winston. Three hours later, I'm walking my dog Winston around the around the neighborhood and I get a phone call from my realtor. And he says, hey man, I've got a couple buildings. This one I think would be perfect for you. However, it's attached to a church. Are you okay with that? And I'm like, oh man, I don't know. You know, because I've had such a rough roller coaster ride with, you know, religion and churches and which is side note, I was really angry. For some reason, I was really angry with the church. Uh, this is when I was going through my divorce. And, I, and I, was, I, was, I was a lunatic. I was insane. I had lost my mind. I was walking, pacing my, my house, talking about how much I hated church. And I was so fucking angry. I was like, ah, right? And God says, God, <laughs> so this voice says in my head, right? It goes, hey, have you ever been a member of a church? have you ever been a member? Like, have you actually been a member of a church? And I'm like, no. And the voice in my head says, well, then why are you so judgmental towards broken, messy people just like you? And I went, well, what do you want me to do about it? Literally, I'm fucking insane. You know, and I'm talking to God. I'm like, what do you want me to do about it? And he goes, I want you to apologize. I'm like, okay, like it's me and you in this house, bro. You know what I mean? Like what, like the phone rings, literally, I, I'm, I'm not joking. The phone rings and it's this guy, Ben Sledge, who works for me at heart support, who is a lead or he's a, he's a pastor. And, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You know? So he picks up the phone and I have a conversation with him. I said, look, I have to apologize for my attitude towards the church 
you know? And so I, I, I finally got to like, kind of let go of that anger and make, make amends there, which was cool. But anyways, so, so then, you know, he says, Hey, my, my realtor goes, Hey, you know, I got this place. It's next to a church. I hope you're okay with that. Let me know. And I said, okay. And God goes, and I start laughing. Like after I get the phone call, I'm laughing. Like, and God says, Hey, don't, don't write it off, man. Like go, why don't you research the church? Go look into it. You know? So I get home with Winston. I'm on my back porch and I'm, I'm going through their Instagram. It's a reality church. I'm going through their Instagram and I stop for a second and I'm like, no way. I look at the picture and it's literally my friend, Brett Cole, who had just sent me that gift in the mail that same day is playing worship guitar or playing guitar for their worship team. And then I'm like, okay, dude, you know, okay. All right. I get it. I'll, I'll, I'll go look at the building. Right. But that wasn't all I ha- I needed equipment and my, I just, I don't have a job. I'm not touring. You know, it's not like I have like, believe it or not, <laughs> you know, like a metal touring musician isn't a millionaire. So, and, um, and uh, let's be honest too. I've been, I've, I haven't, I'm not the most frugal person in the world. You know, I'm a very giving person. Um, and I'm also a very giving person to myself. So then I'm, I go, I, I tell my, I schedule for the, for the building. And then I go downstairs to my, my roommate who lives in my basement. And I said, Hey man, I'm going to open a gym. And he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, I think I'm going to open a gym, but it's like a mental health gym. It's going to help people with their mental health and their physical health. He goes, dude, I love that idea. He goes, you know, what's funny. He goes, I do design work for this top tier equipment company called Arsenal Strength. And the president of this equipment company says he knows you. He says that he went on tour with you. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, his name's Andrew Hall. So I was like, that name sounds so familiar. Sure enough, he was the drummer for a band called The Showdown. And we toured together in 2008. And I I get his um, his contact information and I call him. And I'm like, dude, you're not going to believe. Like, first off, we're like, dude, I haven't talked to you forever. 15, you know, it's 14 years, whatever. And we're sharing about our lives, and like where we're going, what we're doing. He loves heart support. And I said, look, I want to start the very first mental health gym. And, you know, using heart support that I created 10 years ago and using more weight, the fitness company that I had started with the shirts and bring them together in a gym. He goes, man, I've never heard anything like this before. I love it. Count me in. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to my business uh, partners and, and let's see what we can do for you. Let's try to help you out. I'm going to, I'm going to help you out, brother. So then my realtor, me, Dave King end up going to the the scheduling for the building. I walk into the building and I know exactly what building it is. And there was a gold gym in this building three years prior. I walk into my little area. It's about four or 5,000 square feet. I walk into my area and it still has of the, of the, of the church slash this building that I'm going to sublease this area from the space from it still has the gym flooring on the floor from when it was a gold's gym and it's like perfect. So then I call Brett, my, my buddy Brett Cole. And I say, look, I'm at your church right now. And like, I'm thinking about renting this building, this section of the building out, but I need to talk to your lead pastor because what I'm going to do is 
I'm going to, I'm actually going to do something here and I want to make sure that he's okay with it. So his name's Joe and I meet up, meet up with Joe that day and we sit down and I said, look, doesn't matter the color of your skin. You know what I mean? doesn't matter who you're in love with. Okay. Some churches really need to hear that one. Um, who, what you believe in, what you've done, what's been done to you. And he goes, I love it. I love it. I fully support you, man. Let me know what I can do. And literally this church has done so much to help me. I've never felt love from a church and I'm feeling an insane amount of love from this church and these people. They're just super authentic and real. So now I, I realize that God's kind of doing some other things here. Cause he's like, Hey, look, yeah, you get to do your thing, this vision that I'm giving you, but it's attached to a church and we still have some growing to do for you with church. And I want you to like talk to them and become their friend and, kind of have conversations with them and see that just, you know, we're going to do some growing there. So I thought that was kind of neat. So I lock it in the gym and then I get home and I'm like, okay, Andrew's supposed to call me, Andrew Hall, the, the president of Arsenal Street. He calls me and he goes, Hey, look, um, I talked to my business partners. We're going to go ahead and just donate all the equipment that you need. We're just going to go ahead and donate it all. Cause I believe you, man. I believe in you. I see what you're doing. And I want you to succeed. It was $90,000 of top tier exercise equipment that he donated to me. And uh, sorry, that kind of messes me up every time I talk about it. So, um, so now I have my building and now I have my equipment, you know, and now I'm sitting here and I'm, um, this is another part of the story that I, I kind of left out and I, I kind of just feel like I should mention because you asked about my faith and how it works. So I had like a long day or something. I came home and this was right before I went to the church and it was like seven o'clock at night. And I was like, man, I'm going to just, I'm, I'm a big hockey guy. I love the Boston Bruins. I love hockey. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to play this hockey game called nhl 20 or something and there's a career mode where you can play as you you know or whatever so so i turn it on and i'm about to play this career mode and my neighbor goes man it's really beautiful the sun go look at the sun uh set right now it's really gorgeous and i said okay so i ran out of my backyard on my porch and my my backyard is about about an acre little less than an acre, but it's butted right up against miles and miles and miles of farmland. It's gorgeous. And the reason why I wanted that house was because my Nana and Pop lived in the mountains of Schuyler, Virginia, and they lived next to a farm. And it reminded me of safety. They were always like a, a safe place for me, especially when my parents were getting divorced. Like they wouldn't let anything bad happen to me when I was there, you know? And so... So I wanted that really badly. And I had this, I, and when I went to buy this house, God says, look, look at this backyard. Do you see? He goes, I gave you what you could handle, which is this little less than an acre, but I'll give you much more that you can enjoy. And so when I went outside to the, see the sunset, it was gorgeous. And I was reminded of that story in my mind, I went, man, look at like, God gives me enough, but he also gives me more. And, um, and I can take joy in that. And I was reminded of that story. And then I take, and I look at the TV that 
was had the NHL game on and the words that were on the TV was start your legacy. And I was like, all right, man, we're going to do this. Let's go. And that's when I realized that I couldn't deny what was happening. I couldn't say no because things were happening that were out of my control that were leading me directly towards what I needed to do. And that was to start this mental health gym. So then about, I think it was like the day after or two days after that, that's when Andrew called me and said that he was going to donate all the equipment. And, and then I went, this is amazing, but like, what am I, what am I going to do for the fitness side? I'm not a personal trainer. I don't know. I don't know how to train people with exercise. So then this vision came to me immediately after I asked that question of this guy named Joel and he um, was an employee for more weight, the t-shirt company. We had kind of expanded a little bit into like personal training. And so Joel, we had just hired him and we had just had a, a, a zoom meeting with him and his energy, his, his understanding um, was all there. I, I was like really gravitating to him. And so when I said to myself, Oh my God, I need a, I need a, a trainer to come here and, and train the, you know, his face came to mind. So this is where I started going, okay, well, you know, I mean, I guess I better call him because God, I feel like you're just lining all this stuff up and I need to pursue it. So I call him, I FaceTime him and I said, Hey man, I know we've known each other for like a month, <laughs> you know? Um, but, and I don't know, he lives in Charleston, South Carolina. I said, I don't know. I don't know if you're married. I don't know if you have kids. I don't know, you know, anything really about you other than you've been in the fitness industry for 10 plus years, you know what you're doing and you're qualified and, you know, certified, all that stuff. I said, look, um, I don't know anything about you, but I want you to leave everything that you have in Charleston, South Carolina and move up here and live in my house and start this mental health gym with me. And he said, Hey man, I'm going to need to think about that. <laughs> and he said, he, he, hung up the phone and thought I was crazy. Um, but then like a few days later, I think I said to him, I said, look, I don't want you to uh, feel pressure on making the decision. However, time is of the essence and I, I'm going to need you to hurry it up a little bit, you know? And so three days later, he gets back to me, says, let me, let me come up there for a weekend. So he flies up. I show him the building that I had just put a, my lease, you know, signed the lease for. And we have a great heart to heart over the weekend. He goes home and then Tuesday he calls me and says, Hey man, I'm coming. I, uh, I just told my gym that I'm quitting. I found someone to take over my lease at my apartment and I'm going to take my car, my crappy car and my dog and drive up there, which sounds eerily like very similar to me, literally from the same state to the same state. But anyway, so he comes up here and then him and I just go at it every day from, from like, I don't know, waking up six thirty seven in the morning and we're just working till 8 PM every single day, just not knowing what's going to happen, not knowing how things work or how we're going to get this painted or what, you know, lockers, buying lockers. You know, I, I spent every penny that I had to build this gym and then now it's open. 
and we have members and we have um, heart support has classes, mental health classes on Tuesdays today. Um, Six o'clock is the women's group. 715 is the men's group. And the faith that I had to have, the understanding that I had to have, the understanding that I don't have control, but I can submit myself to my belief, my faith. And if I stay with that, you know what I mean? Then it's going to be the story that it's supposed to be. And, and what I realized is that had I not been sexually assaulted when I was a kid, had my parents not gone through a divorce, had my, one of my family members become a heroin addict, had I not gone through my divorce, had I not experienced these things, I wouldn't have really start, I wouldn't have started hard support. I wouldn't be able to connect to my fans. And then had I not gone through my divorce, I wouldn't have started more weight. And then had I not, and your life, literally it's tattooed on my knuckles when I started heart support initially. So the name your life is actually coming full circle with both things that I had created. And this gym is a representation of my life and where God has led me. And had I not gone through those things, I wouldn't have created those things with God. God gave me the vision for those things. And now here it is, you know, and I'm 35 years old and I have spent my whole life questioning why what am i what am i doing here what's my purpose and now i'm understanding that for me my purpose is to enrich the soil of community so that the community may flourish and their growth is my reward that's my purpose on earth it doesn't have to do with fame it doesn't have to do with money it doesn't have to do with quote unquote world's success And that's what I'm learning in my relationship with God. And that's what I've, it's constant. I mean, it's not like, you know, oh, great, I'm here. So now everything's great. You know, it's, it's my life, man. It's intimate. It's passionate. It's, it's painful. It's strong and weak. It's growth, you know? Um, And so that's just in a, in, in a small way of being able to convey how God has worked in and out of my life and what I've chosen to do with my faith and how it's impacted myself and other people that that was, that's like the general story there, I guess. <laughs> Dude, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. This story, I don't know. It's very weird. Like I, I'll be honest. I feel a little bit of a, of a down place. I kind of feel like this was the story I needed to hear. I don't know why a hundred percent yet, but it was, I mean, like this is, it's such an amazing story and I, I, I don't have a lot to say on it other than just say, honestly, thank you for sharing it and, and sharing it in this context. Yeah. Thanks, man. I mean, I appreciate you like listening. I can't tell you how supportive I am of what you're doing and I look forward to seeing this grow and I hope we get a chance to talk again because this is this is really, really inspiring stuff. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time and you know your willingness to even like check out what I'm doing. So there you have it. Jake Lures of August Burns Red talking about his journey and his new gym, your life. There's so much we can take away from the conversation with Jake. But one of the main takeaways is that for many of us, struggling with a mental health issue such as depression can feel as though it sparks a spiritual crisis. 
We can lose our faith in everything, in ourselves, our friends, our family, the world around us, and our higher power because nothing feels right and we have no hope that it will ever get better. So it was really inspiring that with everything that happened in Jake's life, he kept trying, kept searching for a path to his sense of spirituality and purpose in his life. He looked to music and his faith in God, and these helped him during these tough times. And now he's enacting that purpose with Your Life Gym, where he helps people who also may be struggling and have lost hope. Now, one of the ways that we can apply humanistic principles in our own life is that during dark times, we can try to keep faith in both ourselves and others. And sometimes when we feel that we are consumed by darkness, a way to let a little light in is to do at least one tangible kind thing for ourselves. Maybe we can talk with a trusted friend about our struggles, listen to music that makes us feel better, and take up exercise that strengthens our body and boosts our mood. And we can also look outside ourselves to be kind and helpful to others. That kindness may be what gets us through and what keeps our faith in ourselves and in humanity. I want to thank my wife and Hardcore Humanism co-founder, Island Booman, for producing this podcast and my brothers in Odd Zero for letting us use Odd Zero music. If you like what you hear on the podcast, subscribe on your favorite app, give us a rating, and write a review. And if you'd like to take the next step and make change in your life, Check out the Hardcore Humanism Therapy and Coaching Program at HardcoreHumanism.com. So get at it, Hardcore Humans. See you next time.